They got their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Now, do you protect him? Take Evan Neal's play left and right and guard? Do you take Ika McWanu, who some think is as good or better than Neal? Or do you take the pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, who's moved ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau? Thomas, hit from behind and taken down. Set by Kayvon Thibodeau. The best player on my board is Kyle Hamilton. And that ball is intercepted. That is the All-American Kyle Hamilton. They took a corner in J.C. Horn last year. They come back with Sauce Gardner over Derek Stingley Jr., who hasn't done much since 2019 when he was great. <laughs> Welcome to the first draft. It is April 18th, and that means we're just 10 days away from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. I am Field Yates, and it's good to be back after a couple of weeks of being away. And the two men that are always here are, of course... Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr., great to be back with you two gentlemen. And today's show might be a bit of a marathon. Todd, you still live in Boston where the Boston Marathon has taken place. Today might actually rival the run that is going around your neighborhood of 26.2 miles uh, because we're down to the nitty-gritty. We have just two more of these Monday shows before the draft begins. And so we're going to dive right in. And today we're going to be covering... 16 AFC teams and their respective needs. We'll do the NFC next week, but we're putting all these precursors out there right now because people need to know this show could be a long one, and we're going to do our best to keep things on on, on track. But, Todd, have you ever considered running the Boston Marathon? Is that something that you've pondered in your lifetime? No, it's a marathon enough to have to run around the city to to find groceries or go pick up something, so... No, and, and do you think I could last 26 miles in my own head? It's a dangerous neighborhood up there, man. Oh, man. I, I, I cap out at about 10 miles. So, Ma- yeah. Mel, I, I feel it. like you could have run one in your lifetime, Mel. Has it happened before or no? I could talk one. I couldn't run one. You know, I, I could talk for as many miles <laughs> as you want me to keep no question about, about that. something. But running is not well, – you know, put it there, stamina and endurance outside of yakking and talking is, is not my cup of tea. Mel, people uh, always talk about your stamina on the set during draft day, Mel. I think you could be a better runner than you're giving yourself credit for. But because we have so much to get to, let's go ahead and get right into it. So the format's going to be simple. I'm going to toss the team to either Mel or Todd. Uh, one of them's going to handle sort of the heavy lifting for that team the final word from the other, if they so desire. Mel, I'll begin with you. We're going to start in the AFC North and your home state, of course, Maryland, Baltimore Ravens, who we're going to go through these divisions and start with a team that has the most selections in each division. So we go to Baltimore first. The Ravens own 11 picks, Mel, including their own in the first round. How should they be approaching this draft? Let's talk about needs, approach, and maybe some prospects of note for GM Eric DaCosta. Yeah, nine picks in the first four rounds for GM Eric DaCosta, who's done a phenomenal job. And I think you look at the needs of this football team, and you think, okay, pass rusher off the edge to go along with Owe. Then you think about the cornerback position as well. And then you go to, okay, the offensive line. Ronnie Stanley coming back from the injury at left tackle. Center could be an issue down the line. Uh, you think about that as well. So I think if it falls or Jermaine Johnson the second, if he were there, or Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback LSU, they would be thrilled. But Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington, good all-around player, ready to come into the NFL and be, be a factor right away. And then you think about guys down the line just a bit that you could bring in as well, like say with nine. Nine picks in the first round. Nine picks in the first 141. You can move up. You can move down. You're not going to keep probably all those picks, but it gives you that maneuverability, Todd, for a GM like Eric DaCosta who knows the board as well as anybody. You don't have to go very deep on your board. You don't have to have 200 players on a board. Most teams only have about, what, 125, 150 tops. So uh, this is a draft where a GM uh, who trusts his board and knows how to slot these players, Todd, can have a heck of a draft. 
Raven's way is to be patient, and they preach to every, every scout in their organization, best player available over the need sometimes. And, and also, let's wait for a team that's eager to move up and go get a player. Maybe it's an offensive tackle because the tackle run is, is running out there at 14. A team like the Saints or the Chargers moving up for Trevor Penning or another team for a quarterback or possibly even a wide receiver if Jamison Williams is still on the board from Alabama. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they move back, even though they have all of those picks, and then they package some other picks to move up in the second and third rounds. But ultimately, I, I like the, the McDuffie uh, fit here with the Ravens, but I, I think beyond that, you look in the second round, Cam Jurgens from Nebraska, they have a center need. You know, with Bradley Bo- Bozeman gone, they've got to fill that void. So maybe it's the second round for a center after that. Maybe a, a Josh uh, Pascal from Kentucky defensive end. They could use a, a defensive lineman with some versatility. I gave. I went through four rounds just kind of trying to fit all these players. Troy Anderson, a linebacker, mm. off-the-ball linebacker from Montana State with that – with that uh, final pick in late in the third round. So I think, I think that they're, they're going to focus a little bit more on defense, but I think that center position at some point in the first three rounds will have to be filled. All right, Todd, let's go to their rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have just seven picks this year in the draft. Of course, the first one is number 20 overall. They've been doing plenty of homework on quarterbacks this pre-draft process. Yeah, they have. And, and from all indications, Malik Willis is the guy. And we've talked about it a lot on this podcast and other shows. Malik Willis brings that running element. You already have a strong run game. You've got a really good defense. So why not bring in the quarterback in this class, the one quarterback that legitimately can give you a numbers advantage in the run game? A lot like, you know, a lot like we've seen with, uh, with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. You know, that's the kind, of, the kind of play that I suspect that they're looking to get with Mike Tomlin coming out and saying we need more, more mobility at that position. So Malik Willis makes sense. The question is, A, does he go number six overall to the Carolina Panthers? Do the Panthers instead go with Kenny Pickett and then Willis starts to creep down the board a little bit? Or do the Panthers just go offensive tackle with that six spot and both of the quarterbacks fall? Ultimately, I think if Malik Willis starts to creep into like 10, 12, 13 range, the Steelers, if they like him as much as I think that they like him and like him as much as Hugh Freeze told me that Mike Tomlin likes him, they could wind up moving up to make sure another team doesn't jump up ahead of them to go get Malik Willis with that pick. And beyond that, I think wide receivers a spot that you could see in the first couple, two or three rounds. I think George Pickens would be a great fit. The Georgia, uh, Georgia wide receiver, vertical threat coming off the injury, but he's dynamic when he's healthy. And I also think cornerback's another spot that they could go in the second, third, fourth round range. Kuiper, anything you want to add here on Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think John Mechie the third is going to be an interesting receiver to see if the Steelers, who in the second round takes the Alabama receiver, injured a knee in the SEC title game against Georgia prior to Jamison Williams getting hurt against Georgia in the national championship game. John Mechie the third, I think, is going to be a second-round pick. I think he fits what the Steelers do in terms of the toughness and the experience he has in the game-ready uh, performances against big league opposition, obviously playing the SEC at the highest level for Nick Saban. Uh, he's ready to go. I think you look at the cornerback spot as well. We talk about the lack of depth maybe at that position, but you can pick and choose a Marcus Jones from Houston, kid who had great uh, production both in the return game and intercepting passes at Troy. He goes to Houston with the Cougars, does the exact same thing. So here's a guy, slot corner, great return man that could be interesting in the third or fourth round. But I do believe if you want Malik Willis, I think you got to go up and get him. I don't think he falls to 20. you got to address wide receiver and cornerback as well. Yeah, there's that old saying that good things come to those who wait. Not always in the NFL draft. you got to make a player a priority and go up and get that player if you so desire. Let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals, who have eight picks in this year's mock, excuse me, this year's draft. You know what? Let me start. Yeah, 
Bengals seven, uh, excuse me, yeah, eight. I'm, I'm misreading notes left and right here. The Bengals do have eight picks. That is confirmed. I just looked down at my page here, Mel. Uh, this is a team that has really done an excellent job of building their roster quickly through the draft where they need to go now. Well, corner's the big need, guys. A corner is the critical need. Mm. Andrew Booth Jr. Mm-hmm. coming off the sports hernia, inconsistent year, but he's got awesome talent. He's a tough kid. He'll come up there and smack you against the run. Uh, he's the kind of guy that could still maybe be there at that point for the Bengals. Tyler Linderbaum, but you have Ted Karras. Do you go that route? Maybe they're, they're satisfied with Karras coming in. Uh, well, free agency, you think about the offensive line in general, all the moves they made with Collins, with you know, Kappa. They've done a lot of things to help that offensive line, but corner Cornerbacks in need, depth on the on the defensive line is an area. But I do think if you look at corner, if you get out of that first round into the second, say you trade it, Kyler Gordon from Washington would be a possibility in the second. But Andrew Booth Jr., if he's there, because the top three are going to be gone. Trent McDuffie's going to be gone, Stingley, and obviously Soft. Then you get who the fourth corner is in this draft. I think it is Andrew Booth Jr., and I do think there's a chance he could be around in late round one. I glossed over it, but I think there's just the position that they have at number 31 overall picking one spot ahead of the Lions, who could take a quarterback at 32 overall, knowing that in the first round you get a quarterback for five years, that fifth-year option. So maybe a team like Atlanta or Seattle that are picking you know, early in the second round might want to move up ahead of the Lions to make sure they get their guy. Maybe a Desmond Ritter is the third quarterback still available on the board for him. So you could see Cincinnati move back and get the same quality player. Mm. I mean, what's the? there's not a huge difference, in my opinion, between Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson and Kair Elam, the cornerback from, from Florida. And so to me, or Kyler Gordon, as you mentioned, I, I would say it's even closer between those two. So Cincinnati, look for Cincinnati to potentially move out of that first-round uh, first spot. And then I also think linebacker, like a Christian Harris, when you talk about, uh, I think it's the 63rd overall pick that they have, that he would be a really good fit. But you see Elam there. I mean, to me, you, you can get a corner that is basically the same grade guy or very close to the same grade in, in the second round as the first. So corner, off the ball linebacker. If they have an opportunity to potentially upgrade that center position, Ted Karras, I think that that would be a possibility as well. So I think that those are some of the spots. And also defensive tackle at some point in the middle rounds for, for the Bengals. Let's go to the other corner of the state, which is Cleveland, where the Browns have seven picks. Of course, no first-round pick this year or the next or the next because of the Sean Watson trade. But, Todd, how about big needs for Cleveland, a team that certainly, uh, when it has Watson on the field, figures to be one of the most talented in the NFL? Yeah, they pick 44 and 78. Mm. And, and then also at 99 late in the third round. So, you know, obviously you're not getting a premier player, but there's some good talent that you're going to get, especially in that second round. I think defensive tackle is one position they could look. I think edge is another position that they could look. Wide receiver at some, some point, too. I kind of went through the exercise, and I said Travis Jones from Connecticut, if he's still there at 44, would be a, a really big upgrade. The, you know, the, the UConn player, a little bit frustrating on tape, but my goodness, does he have tools. He's big. He's strong at the point of attack. He ran a sub-five-second 40-yard dash with his big frame. He's tough to move in the run game, and he has some pass-rushing potential. He really flashed that, I thought, at the Senior Bowl. You see it sometimes on tape. And like I said, the dude can run. When you're that big and you can run sub-five seconds, you're not going to get out of the second round. So Travis Jones, to me, would be a really good fit for the the Browns. Again, D'Angelo Malone, an edge rusher from Western Kentucky, maybe with that 78th pick. Valus Jones, a wide receiver, late in the late in the third of that 99th pick. There are some options in terms of edge rushers and wide receivers. The depth is really good, and, and that's a bonus for Browns fans. 
Get to that defensive tackle. You mentioned some of the guys. I wish I could see some highlights. I don't have anything on my screen right now, guys. I'm not seeing anything but, but for Bristol, Connecticut. But if we can get that up, that would be great. But I think Perrion Winfrey, a defensive tackle <laughs> from Oklahoma. You mentioned Travis Jones from Connecticut, uh, Todd. I think the defensive tackle spot will lend itself to more of the round, too. I'll throw a slot receiver that reminds me, Todd, we do comps all the time. I've had mm. Hunter Renfro comp to Kyle Phillips from UCLA. Kyle Phillips, all he mm-hmm. does is catch the ball, get open. He's got a little burst out of his break. He has that knack. Great job, guys. Now we're rolling. But, uh, you know, Kyle Phillips is a guy I think maybe that <laughs> wouldn't rent for a go, like fifth round. Yeah. So I, th- I think he could be a pick at that point that would help a team like the Cleveland Browns. Look at that. From Mel Kuyper Jr., you ask and you shall receive. And I was going to tell you that the Amen. good news is we have a quick break Excellent. coming up and we get that camera fixed. And it's already been fixed, but we still have that break coming up. We're going to uh, move forward to the AFC South in just a moment. The AFC North is down. We're keeping good pace so far, gentlemen. We're back in just a moment before we can get back to our teams. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right, every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, and every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seeds. Life happens live. And support for First Draft and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it, life is busy. Between work, family, and, well, more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be. Don't expect to stay for a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you did the haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up, a wedding, or you just need some upkeep. Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut, it's Supercut's. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on supercuts.com. All right, now we're back, and we move to the AFC South, a team that has lots of draft capital. Again, Jacksonville Jaguars. And Mel, again, they are picking first overall. Last year it was easy. Trevor Lawrence, take him, move on. This year, we don't quite know who it will be, but let's take a big step back. What do the Jaguars need to accomplish with 11 picks this year? And that bad soap opera got canceled finally. So that was a great thing, I think, for everybody. And I think you look at where they are right now. Now that they've established themselves, they feel on the offensive line, bringing back Cam Robinson, hoping that Walker Little develops and Phil Rauscher coming in to coach the offensive line. Now you can go to the pass rusher, Aiden Hutchinson. They didn't have any sack production over the last couple years except for Josh Allen. And he had his moments. He had a great game against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. That was his career game. If he can build on that, then they have something going. Chason hasn't given him anything, two sacks in two years. So Aiden Hutchinson becomes the number one pick overall for that reason. This is an AFC dominated with great quarterbacks. Aiden brings an energy, makes everything, everybody around him better. The way he performed this year, game in and game out, knowing he was a marked guy. David Ojabo certainly helped being a heck of a player on the other side. But Aiden Hutchinson and me, because of what they did on the O-line, made this pick the defensive end. Then you can get the offensive lineman. 
And Todd, one guy that's going to be really interesting is Tyler Linderbaum. We were talking about the center from Iowa going in the top 10 to 15. Now with the short arms, only being 296, he could be there in the late first, early second. Jacksonville would be a great fit for Linderbaum. Kenyon Green, a versatile offensive lineman from Texas A&M, would be another guy to think about. And then you think about maybe another receiver like Calvin Austin III out of Memphis, who's a guy that's got tremendous speed. Sounds like a Hollywood Brown type. I think even a little bit tougher and more consistent. And he has the great punt return ability. So the the Jaguars handle this draft the way they, I think, should be able to. That that early first is like another. Uh, that early second's like another first. Every pick they have is up in the top of that next round. So to me, I think if they can get the receiver like a Calvin Austin III, but certainly get another offensive lineman in the mix there and get Trevor Lawrence, who's surviving the chaos. That's the main thing with the young core. Survive the chaos. Get rid of that soap opera. And now everything's positive now. The energy is really, I think, defined now for the Jaguars. I think maybe everything around them can build off that final game when they upset the Indianapolis Colts and knock them out of the playoffs. Maybe now the Jaguars can start performing on a week-to-week basis like we saw some glimpses of last year. Yeah, I think, I think you turn in the card if Tyler Lindenbaum is there at, at 33. You know, he's a player that we talked about could go as high as 14 to Baltimore. Now you get the number one center in this class, should be a 10-year starter in the league and a really high-end starter. If he's not there, then maybe you go wide receiver Sky Moore at 33, and it's kind of a combo pick. You either get your center or your receiver at 33, and then you get the other guy with the, with the uh, what is it, 65 overall, the first pick in the third round. Then they also pick five picks later, which is nice. It's a treat. So you, you can handle – you got Hutchinson at edge. You got your center. You got your wide receiver. And now you maybe you, you get a player like Tariq Woolen, the six-foot-three cornerback with a lot of speed and upside but has some developing still to do as a, just a two-year cornerback after playing two years at wide receiver. Man, so many opportunities for the Jaguars to get better in this year's draft. I know that disgruntled Jaguars fans will say, Field, that's been the case for years, perhaps – this is the year that they turn things around. But let's go from Jacksonville to Houston, who Todd all of a sudden has a bunch of picks themselves to that Deshaun Watson trade over the next three years. They have 11 this year. And I think that GM Nick Casario is slowly putting this thing together in the right way. But this is the first chance the franchise has had to pick a player in a premium spot in the first round in years. Mm-hmm. How should he and his staff be attacking this year's draft? Well, I think, again, at 3-13 and 13 for Casario, it's a combo pick. But you've got to look at it both ways. What's the best value I can get? Is it offensive tackle, Iki Aquanu from NC State, or Evan Neal, if that's who they prefer from Alabama? Or do I go edge rusher there? Let's just assume for a second that Aiden Hutchinson's the number one pick to the Jags, and Detroit goes Trayvon Walker at number two, the defensive end from Georgia. Then you're looking at, all right, do I do Iki Aquanu? Or do I go Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, the defensive end? And then if I go, you know, if I go defensive end there, who's going to be available? Is it Charles Cross from Mississippi State's going to be available at 13? Or if I go, you know, edge rusher or offensive tackle, Iki Aquano at three, at 13, what edge rusher is going to be available? And there's a big drop off after the big four in Hutchinson, Walker, Thibodeau and Jermaine Johnson III, which I think would all be off the board when they pick at 13. So that'll be interesting to see how they play that out. And then you get into 37 in early in the second round. Wouldn't surprise me if they took one of the top two running backs. You know, Brees Hall from Iowa State, very productive, three seasons, almost 4,000 yards rushing, very productive in the passing game as well. Or Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, who I think is the best pure runner in this year's class. 
Yeah, and Davis Mills, Todd, is the guy. You know, people say, well, what about quarterback? And mm-hmm. Davis Mills, third-round pick out of Stanford, really played well. You may certainly make the argument. It's a valid argument. It's accurate that he's the second-best rookie quarterback behind Mac Jones last year. And the, the progress he made from early in the year to those that second half of the season was outstanding. He had the high completion percentage, right around 67%, great touchdown-interception ratio. And I think the steady improvement, the progress, despite not having a very good team around him, now all of a sudden they feel like if we can get him the players – supporting Davis Mills, we can get ourselves a solid quarterback. Maybe not elite, but he can be really good. Remember coming out of high school, David Shaw loved the kid, had the injury, now he's healthy, he'll even be better. Uh, To me, Davis Mills will be a key guy to see if he kind of hits the ceiling, can't get any better, or does he keep improving to the point where he can be, like we talked about Kirk Cousins as a fourth-round pick, what he's developed into as a third-round pick. We're talking about the second-round pick, Derek Carr. Like I said, Davis Mills was a third. So you can find maybe catch lightning in a bottle once in a while in that second, third, fourth round of quarterback. Not that often. 24 of the 32 starting quarterbacks will be ones, but once in a while you can get that quarterback in the third or fourth, and they hope it's Davis Mills. Really interesting to watch this Houston Texans team when the rest of the AFC looks so competitive. I think we all know Houston's probably a year or two away from being in the mix, but they've been able to sort of fill the middle class of their roster in free agency. Now Nick Casario gets to add some of those blue chip players that will be pieces of this foundation for a long time. Let's go to Tennessee, Mel, and they have a first-round pick and then a big gap between their next pick, third-round pick, because that was part of the Julio Jones trade, that second sent to Atlanta. How should GM John Robinson be viewing this draft? I think offense. So, you know, Ryan Tannehill, late in the year, you talk about the, the playoffs, so think about where they are on the offensive line. And, of course, getting a backup to a guy like Derrick Henry. But certainly the O-line, when you look about that 26 pick, a Zion Johnson from Boston College mm. would be a guy to think about. A wide receiver, if you want another receiver to throw into the mix. A Jahan Dotson from Penn State would be the guy to think about there. Uh, they added Robert Woods at wide receiver. They added a guy like Austin Hooper at tight end. They don't need a lot, but that offensive line, that area with Zion Johnson, who's played everywhere on the offensive line, worked the center at the senior bowl after the practice. Obviously a guard who played really well. He's going to struggle with tackle. You knew that. But I think the versatility and a professional approach out of a Zion Johnson for a team that needs a plug-and-play guy, needs a guy that they can have versatility with if they don't go wide receiver, uh, an offensive lineman like Johnson, I think, makes sense in the late first round. Yeah, it does. And I, I think even adding some wide, re- wide receiver depth in the second round, you know, I, I look at it like a or sorry, in the third round, because they don't pick again until 90. So like a Bayless Jones from Tennessee, who we talked about earlier, big, strong back with uh, built like a running back, yeah. slot receiver, great after the catch. Um, Bayless Jones would make a lot of sense in 90. But I think, listen, if you don't get your guard with the first pick, then you, you're probably going to have to get one in the, in the third. And I think Cole Strange from Chattanooga mm. would be a name that would be short on their list in terms of guys that, that could come in and actually have a chance to start year one. Yeah, you guys mentioned Zion Johnson, obviously, Mel did in that first-round conversation. If any team's going to have a great scouting report on Zion Johnson, it's going to be the Titans because yeah. he played right next to Tyler Vrabel, the left tackle for Boston College, and, of course, mm-hmm. the son, one of the sons, of Mike Vrabel, certainly Zion Johnson checks so many boxes. Feels like one of those guys that just has not just a high ceiling, but a high floor as well in the first round. Let's wrap up the mm-hmm. AFC South, Todd, and the Colts. Once again, a little short on draft capital this year because of the trades they made. No first-round pick. That went to Philly in the Carson Wentz deal. But they did recoup some, uh, some value in that uh, subsequent Carson Wentz trade to the Commanders. So their first pick is 42. They go again at 73. Both those picks from Washington. 
How should Chris Ballard, who's been busy recently through the addition of Stephon Gilmore, look at this draft? Yeah, I mean, if the right offensive tackle falls to 42, I think maybe you go in that direction. But to me, you're going to get better value with that 73rd overall pick. Maybe like a Nicholas Petit Frere from Ohio State Mm. at 73. I would take advantage of the depth of this wide receiver spot with uh, the 42nd overall pick. We've said this with a lot of teams. I mean, these wide receivers are going to fly off the board. We could see seven in the first round. But then you get into the second-round prospects, and I think Sky Moore from Western Michigan, just silky smooth, so tough to, to get your hands on when he, when he gets off the, the press and in terms of getting up the field. He accelerates in a flash, really good after the catch as well. And Sky Moore could be off the board by 42. How about George Pickens, who's coming off the injury, but when he is healthy, he's as explosive as most of the receivers, not named Jamison Williams, in this year's draft class. He can get down the field, tracks the deep ball vertically. So I think adding another weapon for Matt Ryan and then focusing on the offensive line with that ni- with the, um, the 90th pick is probably the way to go. Because Chris Ballard has quietly done some things on the defensive side, especially in the secondary, to bolster that side of the football. It's on one offensive tackle that you've got to trust your offensive line coach with. It's Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Mm. He's got that nasty disposition. Mm-hmm. He gets after you. He's a great run blocker. People think he's going to be a guard, right tackle. Hand usage, obviously technique. He needs to work on his pass protection skills. But everything that he does wrong is fixable. Right. Okay. That's where coaching comes in. So who's going to trust their O-line coach to make Tyler Smith maybe a left tackle, right tackle? But another receiver I think we haven't talked a lot about who I love is Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Size, the length, the hands, the smarts, 17.5 yard average per catch career. Okay, guy that has everything you want. Tested off the charts, tested great. He was open on that slant route early on against Alabama. Desmond Ritter missed him, airmailed it high. So I think when you look at Alec Pierce, you look at a Tyler Smith, there's going to be some really good options at offensive tackle and wide receiver for the Colts. Man, the Colts, uh, such an interesting team with so many trades. I was just sort of revisiting how they got those picks, where they lost picks to, but a team that certainly feels like they're right there in the mix to compete in the AFC, as really the entire conference does. Let's go to the AFC East, and, you know, we don't give out awards for things that took place multiple years ago, but I'm just sitting here to tell you, if there was an award for best trader in the NFL, over the past two years, Joe Douglas takes the cake, and it's not close, because the New York Jets own not just – the fourth overall pick, which is because of their own record. But the 10th overall pick um, they have as well. That comes from the Seahawks. They also have the 38th overall pick because of the Sam Darnold trade last year, plus 111 in that Sam Darnold trade as well. So this team has all sorts of ammo, Mel. So just, I mean, this is a legitimate chance for them to reshape this roster in the first 38 selections. How should they go about it? Yeah, you don't get many awards for you know, trades and offseason and all the things. you got to win football games in a regular season, and it's AFC is loaded with great quarterbacks. Zach Wilson's really the key. That move, you know, moving Darnold, going to Zach Wilson, you know, trusting Zach Wilson to be a great quarterback, he needs to start to emerge. You know, we saw a little bit of a sign late. He was staying away from interceptions, but he wasn't taking any chances, okay? Completion percentage was still low. We know the talent's there. Will Zach Wilson emerge as a big-time quarterback? That's the big question. Needs all over the place for this football team. Offensively, let's go to wide receiver, a big receiver, like maybe a Drake London at 10. If you take the corner, Sauce Gardner, who gives you length, people say, well, why corner? You got DJ Reed coming in. You drafted Michael Carter II, Brandon Eccles, you got Hall, you got all, but you don't have that shutdown guy. And Drake London, why London? 
size, the physicality, the catch radius, the power forward basketball background, that's something they don't have. Zach Wilson can throw it up. He can go get it. Red zone touchdowns. Berrios, Elijah Moore, Davis, you need a guy like Drake London or even a Garrett Wilson. They need help for, for Zach Wilson in that area. Edge rusher is another area. Jermaine Johnson is second. If he were there around 10, uh, he would be a great pick. They can find, I think, some good pass rush. You mentioned D'Angelo Malone, Western Kentucky, Nick Benito, Oklahoma. How about a guy like Amari Barno from Virginia Tech? People say he didn't have the sack numbers, but he ran 4-3-6, 4-3-9. can fly to the football, and he can also track down as a spy all these quarterbacks in the ASC that have great mobility. So I think there's a lot of options for the Jets. Joe Douglas nails this draft, and if Zach Wilson emerges, the Jets got really some great things going, but it's really tied. The whole key to this entire process, this entire organization, rests in Zach Wilson and what kind of quarterback he develops into. Yeah, and the biggest thing is to get him a legitimate weapon on the outside. And that's why, to me, the pick four overall is the most intriguing in this year's class because, mm. because Joe's sitting there and knows that he's got pick 10, and he knows there are two receivers that kind of belong in the top 10 with Garrett Wilson from Ohio State and Drake London from USC. So do I gamble? Do I roll the dice and say, all right, one of these two is going to be there. One of these two will be there at number 10. Or do I just get my guy? And I would think it would be Garrett Wilson. Could be Drake London. Who knows? But what do, I, what do I do with that fourth overall pick? Because probably the grade on Sauce Gardner is a little bit higher than the receivers. Probably. I'm not saying definitively. And then you look at, at the edge rusher. All right, if I don't get a cornerback at four and I go wide receiver – then I'm probably going to go Jermaine Johnson, get the fourth best edge rusher in this class. So that combination of four and 10 is fascinating. And then basically when you get into the two early second round picks, 35 and 38, then you're picking up the pieces. Like what didn't I get? Did I not get an edge rusher? Maybe it's Boye Mafe still on the board from Minnesota. Did I not get a corner because I went wide receiver, Garrett Wilson at number four? All right, then I get Kair Elam out of Florida, of Florida or, or Kyler Gordon out of Washington. So it's like every pick is a domino effect for the Jets and especially with that fourth pick for the, the rest of the top ten. Such a fascinating opportunity for the New York Jets. Like, and I'm not just saying this because he's Todd's Good friend from college, but Joe Douglas has done some really good things with the Jets. This is an opportunity for them to take a big step forward. This team really could improve its roster with a nail, with a, just a total nailing of the first four picks that they currently own. Of course, things are subject to change, as was the case last year when they traded up to get Ali Vera Tucker. Let's go to the Patriots uh, and Todd. They have eight picks in this year's draft, uh, a team that's got some holes, mm-hmm. uh, a team that is always solid, and they nailed last year's draft. They need to do it again this year. Yeah, they do. And, and they've been up and down if you look at Bill Belichick's career in terms of the draft. But they, you're right, they do. And they need speed. They need difference makers. They need speed at corner. They need speed at off-the-ball linebacker. They need speed at wide receiver. So I think, to, to me, this is a team that they could be looking to move back. Bill Belichick's traded, I think, more than any other general manager or, or you know, the leader of the, the draft room during his tenure nobody else has made more trades so I think Bill Belichick is sitting there 21 saying you know what these receivers are coming off the board Green Bay's got two picks and they've got a lot of picks in the draft Kansas City's got a lot of picks in the draft the wide receiver runs about to to wash out maybe a team is going to come up and and give me an offer that I can't refuse and get more picks in the second third round so but if they stay home N'Kobe Dean I love this bit the Georgia linebacker, best IQ, football IQ of any defensive player in this entire draft class. I'm convinced of it. Just, just study the tape. So you put that IQ with Bill Belichick on a week-to-week basis, 
as they're changing their schemes and their game plan the way that they do more so than any other organization that I'm aware of in the National Football League, Dean just would be a perfect fit. If it's not N'Kobe Dean, Devin Lloyd from Utah fits in that general range at number 21 overall. Cornerback could be the pick there. We talked about Andrew Booth as the, as the fourth cornerback in this class coming out of Clemson. And then you get to 54, and it's basically, is there another off-the-ball linebacker like Christian Harris from Alabama or a cornerback there like Roger McCreary from, from Auburn? So I think those are some of the positions that you'll see in the first couple of rounds. But again, I would bet that Bill Belichick moves out of that 21 spot when it comes to draft night. Yeah, Todd, you said move back. You know, I'm going to be anxious to see do they even try to move up. Two guys mm. that really seem to me that scream Patriots are Derek Stingley Jr. coming off the injured and Jamison Williams wide receiver coming off the injury with the Saban-Belichick connection, needing a guy like Jamison Williams, needing a lockdown corner like Derek Stingley Jr. who could still be available maybe in that 12-14 area that they move up to get Stingley Jr., move up a little bit to get Jamison Williams, or as you say, move back a little bit. And I think when you look at, at this football team, you say, okay, now, Kobe Dean, Todd, I'm going to be watching because no player has ever been more pushed to a team by any analyst than Todd McShay is pushing <laughs> Kobe Dean to the Patriots. So, Todd, you're trying to convince them. Which means there's no chance it's happening. But you're, you're trying to push Kobe to the Pats. All right, so Nicobe Dean is officially going to the Arizona Cardinals. I think the team that's most geographically distanced from the <laughs> Patriots uh, on the NFL map. Exactly. So they've used quite a few first-round picks on linebackers uh, in recent years. Uh, let's go to Buffalo, who is the kings of this division right now. And, Mel, they've got a clean book here. they got basically all their picks, uh, plus an extra sixth this year, and a team with not a ton of needs. Uh, you think about Devin Singletary. The way he played late in the year, does that move them away from Brees Hall running back Iowa State? Or do they take Brees? Or do they wait and take a Kenneth Walker the third? Or do they wait and take another running back like Pierre Strong Jr. from South Dakota State? Cornerback's a big need area. And that's the thing. I like Daxton Hill from Michigan. I like him as a great overall defensive back. Slot corner tackles, gets after the quarterback. They stay where they are. Todd mentioned Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. they got to get a corner at some point in the first couple rounds. But that kid, Daxton Hill, to me, five-star recruit out of high school, number one safety, flies to the football, great speed, great awareness, and tremendous versatility. Coached by a guy who's now the defense coordinator, McDonald, with the Ravens at Michigan. So for me, let's say, oh, he's a safety. No, he's a slot corner. He can do everything you want in a defensive back for today's game, Todd. Love Daxton Hill. I'm not sure he's going to be there in the late first round for the Bills. Yeah, I love him too. He's, he's a great all-around football player. And that would actually make sense for what they need. You mentioned running back, cornerback. The other position I'll throw in there, wide receiver. Run with the hot hand. If there's a wide receiver that happens to fall in the second round or the third round, you know, I would say a Chris Olave for some reason falls or Traylon Burks from Arkansas or Jahan Dotson. It wouldn't shock me if they just said, you know what, we got Josh Allen. Things are rolling on the offensive side. You can't have enough weapons in today's NFL it, again, it's not the direction that we think. We think cornerback, potentially running back, but I think wide receiver is kind of the sneaky position to look out for with the Bills in the first two rounds. Todd, and what could be, could be the quickest conversation we'll have in this entire show, really factoring in next week as well, <laughs> the Dolphins have four picks as they have made a trade, obviously, for Tyreek Hill, Six picks going to Kansas City and a subsequent trade of Devontae Parker, which included getting a pick next year and trading a pick this year. So they're thin, but it seems by design. What should they do with the slim pickings they have left? Yeah, and I mean, this roster is loaded. It might be the fastest offense in, in all the National Football League. Yeah. I think offensive tackle and linebacker are the two spots. I mean, we're taking real big leaps here, but 
Kellen Deesh, the offensive tackle from Arizona State, maybe in the third third round. Troy Anderson uh, from Montana State, the linebacker, is a possibility in the third round. Those, those are a couple names that could still be available. But, I mean, we're throwing darts at this point with the Dolphins sitting there we're just waiting for over two rounds to get there. The offensive line is the whole key to this football team. They have names and they have potential. Do they figure out the right places for these offensive linemen? Will that a group gain cohesion? Will Tua be able to get the football out to these receivers, which is his specialty, be that point guard, but also show a little bit more arm strength? Uh, Tua and the O-line will dictate everything for the Dolphins this coming year. And such a critical year ahead for Tua. So much opportunity. Just got to nail it because if not, as you know in the NFL, after three years, sometimes sooner than that for quarterbacks, your head could be on the uh, chopping block. It could Mm -hmm. look a different direction, uh, and especially next year with what looks like a better draft class for quarterbacks. Of course, Miami has multiple ones next year. So let's go to the AFC West, our final division of the AFC today. And they're not quite the Dolphins, but Mel, the Raiders, pretty slim biggest in terms of picks as well. They have no one, they have no two. Instead, they have Derek Carr's best friend, Devontae Adams, who's very, very rich as well right now. So what would you do if you're Dave Ziegler in his first draft with Las Vegas? Yeah, the offensive line to me, another area for Derek Carr that, you know, Alex Leatherwood came in, wasn't the right tackle. They moved him inside. They got to solidify that offensive line. That offensive line's got to be a key element. They have the receivers. They got Jacobs. They got Waller. You added Adams. You got everything going around the quarterback, Derek Carr, who's an outstanding quarterback, great leader of this football team. The players love this guy. He kept this team together with all the problems, all the adversity, all the, the, the issues swirling around this football team. So you look at the O line to me and the depth of that position in this draft is going to have you're going to have to pick the right guy Todd you mentioned Cole Strange a versatile kid out of UT Chattanooga I mentioned Tyler Smith out of toss a little earlier there's some offensive lines a lot of those Sean Ryan UCLA tackle projects mm. the guard style you mm-hmm. Georgia there's a lot of those guys who were tackles in college will have to move inside but this O-line there's some pieces they could add in this draft could help that group yeah Dylan Parham from from Memphis Minnesota's Daniel Fa'alele uh, the monster of a man as well. So that, to me, they're just waiting to see which offensive lineman falls to them, and they'll probably just take the best one on the board. Yeah, it's, at that point, it's so hard to make any projections right now. You're not picking until 86. But a trade-off, of course, that you have arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL on your roster. Let's go to the Chargers, a team that has 10 picks in this year's draft, Todd. And they don't have a two. That's because they now have Khalil Mack. But they got a bunch of late-round ammo, mm-hmm. five picks in the sixth and seventh. But let's focus on the early premium picks. How should they be operating this year? Yeah, Tom Telesco has been busy this offseason, and they clearly have upgraded their roster from a, from a darn good football team a year ago. To me, offensive tackle is the number one need. I'll be interested to see if Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa is still available. Mm. We've talked about the top offensive tackles in this class. Evan Neal, Alabama. Iki Aquanu, NC State. Charles Cross, Mississippi State. After that, it's Penning and then a big drop-off. But you got the Saints picking one spot ahead of you at number 16, and they need an offensive tackle. So will that tackle be available? If not, maybe it's Jordan Davis, the massive 341-pound defensive tackle coming out of Georgia. And then you go all the way down to 79 for the next pick. If they don't get the offensive tackle, maybe that's where they bring in a Daniel Falalele, who I talked about before, from Minnesota. Or it could be a tight end if they get their tackle with the first-round pick. Isaiah likely would be a possibility out of – out of uh, Coastal Carolina, Jeremy Ruckert from, from Ohio State. There are some good tight ends when you get into the third round of this draft. 
Yeah, and Todd, if they don't get the right tackle, Trevor Penny, remember left tackle, obviously at Northern Iowa, he'll be a right tackle with the Chargers, but they have some right tackles. Abraham Lucas at Washington State, probably a second-round pick, right? We're locking him in there. But there's a kid at Central Michigan. Bernard Raymond's one, but I like the other guy, Todd, and you're my pronunciation guy, pal. It's Luke what? Todd? Uh, Todd? 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 What was the question, Mel? Luke... Oh, the Central Michigan tackle, which I got it wrong. You corrected me as Luke. Oh, Gadecki. 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 Yeah. Gadecki. Thank you. I I, I didn't want to say Luke Gadecki. Luke. You're my pronunciation guy. I'm counting on you, Todd. Luke Gadecki, like the kid. He, to me, was as impressive or more impressive than Raymond. I think as a wow. right tackle, guard in the NFL, uh, he would be a nice third or fourth round pick. The tape on him, I thought, was really good and showed great promise moving forward. We talk about O-line coaches. They will love this kid. Interesting. Yeah, by the way, that could be two players from that same relatively small school in terms of those major college programs, offensive line, perhaps drafted as book and tackle somewhere not too deep into the NFL draft. Let's go to the uh, Broncos, who another team without a first-round pick. I don't know what the record is for most first-round picks traded before the draft begins, but i got to figure eight is near the most. The Broncos, one of those teams, traded their first-round picks. They, of course, now have Russell Wilson as their centerpiece of their franchise going forward, Mel. So number two, excuse me, they have a second-round pick from the Rams plus a third-round pick from the Rams plus their own third-round pick, George Payton. Uh, another draft hit, second year for him uh, as the drafter in Denver. What should he be doing? Yeah, you think about tight end, think about a versatile defensive back like Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska, played safety early on, was a well, quarterback like in high school, then a corner. I think tight end. I think tight end is a position, if if one of the two, if Trey McBride out of Colorado State, who I really believe, Todd, is the most underrated offensive player in this draft. Nobody's talking enough about this kid. All he does is make plays on the field with the pads on. He survived the Colorado State each year putting up numbers. This kid has run after catchability. Plays the game with an attitude and approach that I love to see. The hands, the concentration are incredible. He'll block. He'll do everything you want. You move him out. Look what he does here. Catching the football down the field consistently. A guy who all year, all throughout his career, was a guy who showed up big each and every Saturday time. I don't know if he's there at the last pick of the second round, but if he is, you got to look at Trey McBride from Colorado State or Greg Dulcich from UCLA. People, the big question is, who didn't crack the top 25 big board? It really was right there at 26-27 on the big board. For me, Todd, it's Trey McBride from Colorado State. Look at the numbers. Look at the consistency overall and a guy that brings that attitude, that approach that I love and a true warrior on the football field. Yeah, I, I love McBride too. I think he's clearly the number one tight end in this class. And as you mentioned, there are some other guys. If you don't get McBride, maybe you're going with that 75th overall pick and getting a Greg Dulcich from UCLA, who's the best vertical receiver Mm. at that spot in this year's class, or an Isaiah Likely, who we mentioned before, coach of Carolina, more of an F tight end, flexed out athleticism, not a great blocker, but he's willing. And, And then Jeremy Rucker, who is a really good inline blocker and has maybe the best hands of all the tight ends in this class but is not a big vertical threat. So there are tight ends in that second, third round range. And I think off the ball linebacker, like a Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, uh, Christian Harris, Alabama, Chad Muma from Wyoming. We mentioned Troy Anderson a couple times from Montana State. There's a bunch of those guys. So tight end and off the ball linebacker, very deep in the second, third round range. And those are two spots that I look for Denver to, to be targeting 
and then and on, on day two of this draft. Yeah, Peyton did a really nice job last year with his initial picks. I mean, not just guys like Pat Sertan or Javante Williams, but Quinn Miners, of course, the senior bowl standout uh, from Wisconsin Whitewater, did a great job filling mm-hmm. uh, some uh, interior offensive line snaps for them last year. Looking forward to seeing how Peyton and his staff operate this year, which brings us to our final team, Todd, and a team – that has a bunch of picks. Power in numbers in Kansas City right now. After that, Tyreek Hiltray, they have 12 picks tied with Jacksonville for the most in the NFL. That includes two picks in the first, second, third, and fourth round. Brett Veach will be a busy man in a couple of weeks. What's your advice to him? Outside of the New York Jets, the team I'm most excited to watch in this year's draft is the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they got 12 picks. They don't even have eight roster spots that they have legitimately could come in and compete for them. So, what are they going to do with the 12 picks? And I think it's four in what, the top 64 overall? Four in the top the 62. 29, have, 30, 50, and 62. Yeah, four in the top. Exactly. You're always there for me, Phil. But my point <laughs> is, Brett Veach has got to be thrilled right now. You know, you got an opportunity to package some of those picks, go up and target a guy. I've said all along, the closest thing to Tyreek Hill in this class is Jamison Williams from Alabama. Yeah, you might lose a few weeks in this early in the season as he's still recovering. But by all reports, he's ahead of schedule, and they think he might be ready for training camp. So even if you lose half the season with Jamison, you're talking about the best receiver in this class, trying to fill the void of Tyreek Hill. And I know, I know you've got Mahomes. I know you've got other weapons. I know you've got one of the best tight ends in, in the NFL. But to me, what makes this offense so unique outside of Mahomes is that speed on the outside to pair with Mahomes. So I think that they need to move up and go get a guy. If they don't, you're hoping that a, you know, a Christian Watson from North Dakota State is going to fall to them there, or maybe a Chris Olave would fall to them at 29-30. But I just think it's fast. You've got a, a Super Bowl contending team that has one major glaring need. Mm. And I know there's defensive sides. That they, can fix, they can fix that with the other first-round pick and with some of the second- and third-round picks. But I think you've got to get aggressive, and Brett Beach has got to go and find the right spot to get a guy early in this first round. Yeah, Fields there for all of us, Todd. I wish you'd be there for when I throw you. I'll queue you up. You give me ten second delay there on my pronunciation guide. I won't be doing that for a while now. Let me down. Taking a sip of water, I'm gonna go to David Ojabo. Yeah, I hear it. 29 and 30. Or do they wait on David Ojabo? You said about all the picks and they don't have this, they don't have that. Roster spots open. They got so many picks. David Ojabo, pass rusher out of Michigan with the Achilles, had 11 sacks opposite Aiden Hutchinson. Is he going to be a late first round pick to Kansas City? Or they wait and see if he's there? I don't think he'll be there. Pass rushers are hard to find. He would have been a top 15 pick, guaranteed if he wasn't hurt. Where does David Ojabo fall? Will the Chiefs take him? Or where does he go as a guy you may have to wait a little bit? Obviously, you're going to have to wait. Do you have to wait all year? Will he be back in November? Will he help you on a stretch run. Certainly he's going to be great coming up down the road next year with his work ethic, his passion for the game. To me, the most interesting player Ooh. in this draft after Jamison Williams coming off the injury is David Ojabo. Mm. That is really fascinating because you're right. I mean, the Chiefs can essentially redshirt him and they wouldn't have to have him on the 53-man <clears throat> roster at the beginning of the year if he is not ready. And if he's out for the entire year, it's no sweat off their brow. With those 12 picks, all of a sudden a lot of possibilities opened up for the Chiefs. Guys, that was Expedient. That was efficient. That right there was as efficient as a draft war room needs to be when the draft actually begins in 10 days. Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, our resident GMs here for ESPN. You guys ready for the NFC next week? 
The answer Let's is go. good. Okay, good. Because oh, yeah. the answer is even yeah. if you aren't, we're going to figure out a way to get to the end of my life. I'll never get week. back. McShay took from me. <laughs> no. Todd owes Mel one. Uh, in the meantime, check out the audio podcast coming out on Thursday for First Draft. We're back next Monday. <laughs> NFC team needs 10 days away from the 2022 NFL draft. For Todd McShay, Mel Kiper Jr., I'm Field Yates. I'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>